Hey guys, Coach Dan here. Thanks for tuning in to the Train Like a Ranger podcast. Wanted to leave a quick disclaimer for the Spotify side. On the YouTube side, really easy to track what's going on. On the Spotify side, may not be as clear. We record these episodes live on Instagram and YouTube simultaneously. So the Instagram feed stayed pretty consistent. Uh, we had some internet issues and lost the YouTube feed. So you'll notice some changes in audio. You'll also notice some typing when I'm trying to pull Jay back into the feed. So that's what it is. Uh, we had some internet issues and we were able to pull through and salvage this episode really well. So great content. Hope you enjoy. And thanks for tuning in again. We might have to YouTube today. Can you just try again? Can you screen record for YouTube? I can record. I should be able to record, yeah. Because if we screen record, that's easier on me than trying to pull it on on the Insta, Insta book. Yeah, it'll be, it's recording. <clears throat> cool. Over live? Only questions on your end. Oh man, that's a lot of pressure, dude. Yep, just you. Really did that to me. It's all up to you, Instagram. All right, ready? Game face. And we're live. Oh, Detweiler. Oh, the old boss showed up, man. Uh, very cool, welcome. Uh, what's awesome. up, man? So welcome to the Train Like a Ranger live stream, everybody. Um, the podcast where we talk about all things fitness, nutrition, and military prep. Uh, I'm Daniel Burnett. Jay, wave, uh, wave hi to everybody. Hello, everybody. James Tony, and we have a very special guest today, uh, Nicholas Volk Perez. How are you doing? Going on, everybody. Thank you, everyone who is joining in on the podcast and the live stream. Greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on this. I'm very excited. Yeah, we're excited as well. It's an honor. Um, so we were talking a little bit before the podcast about uh, about what you're up to now, uh, but I also want to dive into a little bit about your backstory. So let's go into, you know, you telling us about yourself, what made you join the Army and kind of uh, your Army career up till now. Yeah, man. So, all right. High school, you know, high school came around. I was always a good student. Like, I, I really thought I was just going to go straight to college like my sister did. Um, and then some life stuff happened and I just started kind of becoming a rebel and the, the home life wasn't, wasn't as, uh, as, as great as I, you know, maybe it could have been. And, uh, I was really just looking for a way out, like the fastest way to go be on my own and be financially responsible for myself. Looking back, like maybe it wasn't the most like greatest decision, but it's, it was all God's plan at the end. I mean, I'm still in 10 years later. So, um, yeah. So, so I joined the army, like no questions asked. I went to the recruiter and I was like, when can I leave? Um, and I, I was so naive about the army. I wasn't, I wasn't really like fit or anything. I mean, I played like tennis and soccer. So like I ran a little bit and, um, so, so I joined the army with a, with a contract of like what, three years or something. Um, and I got 13 Fox. So same as Dan and Jay, um, and, but had no clue what, what the heck that was. All I knew is that I had an airborne contract cause that sounded cool at the time. And I, uh, I left June 26, 2012 for Fort Jackson, uh, for basic training. At this point, I had no clue what range regiment was. I had no clue what a special operations unit was. I just thought that the army was the army and everyone kind of just shot and went to war. Um, so Moving through basic training, when I got to AIT, uh, a, a guy came by with a very cool tan beret, and I was like, 
what the heck is this guy? Like, we, I've, I have no clue what that is. And, and he came by and he explained like, oh, you know, we're here from 75th Ranger Regiment. And, uh, you know, if you guys have option 40 contracts, then you guys will be going to RAS. But those of you who don't, this is your opportunity to sign up. And I was like, we're looking at my friends and I'm like, that was pretty cool. And then he showed us the video, the Ranger recruiting video with breaking Benjamin in the background, like, like <laughs> yeah. the coolest video to this day. It's still, I think, um, in my opinion, uh, of Rangers just, just doing bad things to bad people. And, um, I was like, I was hooked from there. I was like that. It looks so cool. And so that, but that really was, it, it was like a thought, like that looked cool. I want to go try that. And so like, still at this point, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't anything special. I wasn't like a, high school athlete or anything. I was just like a normal guy. Um, just like wanting more out of life. And so I ended up signing up. There was, I think five of us who initially signed up for my AIT class. We go through base or sorry, we go through, uh, airborne school. And after airborne school, there was like, I think like two of them dropped prior to like rafts starting. Cause I think the whole point was just to get the airborne. That was like a whole thing back then. I think the change is it changed now, but, um, you know, we, we went into RASP and this is still 2000, late 2012 and, um, around like after, you know, another guy or two quit within the first week and then, and then ended up, I was the only one left out of all my AIT classes who actually made it through the whole, the whole RASP thing. So finally got stationed, um, first ranger battalion in 2013 early 2013 and yeah spent the next almost seven years serving uh first in delta company and then in alpha company later on in any capacity from your basic rto jfo uh through your company jtac so i was i had the opportunity to attend the air force joint terminal attack controller course i uh, got um credentialed and uh, was serving in that capacity for my company commander and yeah from there now i fly helicopters but we will get into that later but that's kind of like the how that went um and and on the wave tops so yeah 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 you got an awesome uh military career so i really want to highlight um how much of a ladder that is to climb first of all to become a jtac and then from there turn around and go okay i'm gonna fly the helicopters now like it's insane. And I definitely want to talk about the helicopter stuff, but I, I think it's interesting that you pointed out, uh, like you didn't really know at the time what a Ranger was, you know, at that time frame when we were all coming up, I feel like a lot of us have that story where we saw the guy with the tambourine and we're like, what is that? Like we didn't, yeah. didn't even know what that was. You know, I signed an option 40 contract. I thought I was going to, uh, to basic training and then Ranger school. I had no idea how any of it worked. I didn't know there was a Ranger regiment. So um, things have, uh, the information has grown a lot. Like there's a lot more information getting out to people. Yeah. Cause yeah, I mean, there was, sure. there was three of us in basic training that had option 40 contracts. And then when we went to AIT, a couple more people signed on uh, this similar to the way you did. <clears throat> I don't remember how many people made it all the way to regiment though, from our group. Um, but yeah, I remember they, they, 
guy with the tambray comes to the AIT with his videos and gets people to sign up and you got to have like a certain PT score to, to volunteer there. Um, did you have to wait at AIT then for a while to get your, um, like physicals and stuff or not? Cause you had an airborne contract already. Yeah, no, I, I already had an airborne contract and, and maybe that helped with the process. Uh, I just remember, um, I just remember, uh, joining or signing up and then I had to, I take, I had to take an additional PT test. Like I had already done like the PT test AIT that like qualified me to take the next one. Um, like I had enough, had a high enough score to take, to like apply and take another PT test. Um, and then, yeah, like I finished AIT, I had like a, a week holdover, then immediately went to airborne school. And then like upon graduation or airborne school, like did the whole walk across the street and ran to, ran to rasp. So it was like very like boom, boom, boom. Uh, I had a very seamless like transition to, um, to all the different, um, schools. Mm, That's good. Yeah, I um I just want to comment on this too. I think me me and you Nick we're on uh, regular internet and and Tony's on uh, old dial up. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. There's like an outage in my area or something going on. That's why YouTube's not working. Oh man, oh man, uh, that's cool, dude. Um, yeah. So, um, so let's talk about uh let's talk a little bit about flying helicopters. What's let's that like? Talk about it. Man, it's, uh, I would say, I'd say this, like if I had to choose whether to fly a a plane or a helicopter, I would 100% choose a helicopter. Like this thing is not meant to fly. Like it's just, (laughs) it still amazes me. We went through aerodynamics and everything in flight school. And I'm like, nah, so it doesn't make sense. (laughs) Like, no, you're not going to, you're not going to tell me that this thing is spinning so fast that it's creating lift to lift like. 30 plus thousand pounds. Like, I, I just don't know, man. I don't, I can't, but, but I have to believe it because it gets me from point A to point B safely. Um, but yeah, man, it, it was so cool. Like my initial, my first flight and just, just feeling like, you know, you're in control of this helicopter now. And like, you're, you're putting in the inputs and like, you can actually feel like, you know, and you're just trying to keep this thing steady. And I think like, uh, it's a very humbling experience learning to fly a helicopter. There's always a joke, you know, they have these like fast mover plane, like jets, like F-18s, like fly by. And then the helicopter is like, well, he can't hover. So it's like, <laughs> and hovering is like the hardest part of flying. It is just, it is a really tough thing to do. Um, and, but just like the feeling, it's like very freeing. The army has its ways of, you know, making it kind of like dumb sometimes uh, because just like general rules of aviation, but like just the, the act of flying is so freeing and it's such a very unique experience. Um, if anybody ever gets the opportunity to be at the flight controls of any aircraft, like do it because it is a very unique feeling and experience. Um, but yeah, I've enjoyed the transition. It's been tough. It's been, uh, you know, it's been a real, like, you know, punch in the gut sometimes to really be humbled by just like information overload uh, about like systems and capabilities and integration of like the airframe into combat or into whatever you name it. So it's been a it's been a very uh, humbling experience to uh, transition from being a, a ground guy to now being in the air. That's so awesome. Um, you know, I always said I, I think pilots are some of the most amazing people. 
and I can I can definitely um, relate to being in a helicopter. It definitely doesn't feel like it should be flying, you know. Yeah. Um, it's such a it's a weird feeling it, for guys who've never been in a helicopter. Like it's it's a way different feel than being in like a plane, you know. Um, so yeah, no, that's uh that's funny. Um, by the way, uh, I'm sure you guys noticed Jay's Jay's internet's giving him a real hard time. We're also recording on the uh, uh, screen recording the podcast, so we will post this to YouTube afterwards. Uh, we're gonna work through getting Jay back in here, but you will see all of us talking um, when we get it on the on the YouTube side for sure. But um, yeah, no, that's uh that's really cool. You know, I. I uh, you know, the, the, um, the Ospreys, how they go from helicopter mode to plane mode, mm -hmm. you know, you could have the best of, uh, of both worlds. You know, my buddy is flying those things. I always give them a hard time. Cause they're, <laughs> cause they're high, uh, high, um, crash record, right? They're yeah. They're pretty dangerous. They're sketchy. I mean, they're, a, they're, it's a very capable air airframe, but it is very difficult to fly. And there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, and, and that's like, I mean, the Chinook is one heck of an aircraft. Uh, for, for those that don't know, I fly CH-47 Chinook. If you've ever seen, it's like a long, the long one. It has the two rotor systems on it that spin independently. Well, not independently, but um, and counter-rotating from each other. Uh, that's the one I fly. And it's an extremely capable aircraft. It's had its first flight in 1966, and it's been flying ever since. Um, it's been used through most of all conflicts, all conflicts, uh, and wars since then as a, as a lift, as a lift aircraft, cargo utility helicopter, um, in the global war on terrorism, they started using it as an air assault platform because of the, because how high the terrain was in some locations, some of the, uh, other airframes were just not capable of loading up personnel and, you know, men's weapon and equipment and bring them to point A to point B. So they had to resort to using this, what commonly is known as a, you know, Cargo helicopter is, is an air assault frame now. So pretty interesting stuff. Very Actually, I didn't know. I didn't know it had been around that long. Yeah, since, it's, since it's the longest serving aircraft in the fleet. Wow. And, and um, it's going to continue where they're going to be phasing out the Blackhawks and the Apaches. They're going to keep the Chinook. So I have a little bit of like job security, I know. Nice. <laughs> as they should too. It, it is. It's a great aircraft. Do you think... Um, do you think you picked that aircraft because of your time and as a ranger and all the experiences yeah, on there? Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm looking right now. I, I got a, a, a painting done here of uh, it was a, when I was in flight school, one of my buddy's wife, it was during, during COVID she was a tattoo artist, but because COVID she wasn't tattooing anymore. And she went back to doing what she used to do, which was art, like just drawing and painting. And so she would do these, um, um, where you like pay somebody to paint you a mural, whatever. So a uh, commission, I commissioned her to paint a mural scene of a, an air assault. And, and I really like explained it to her and I, you know, was giving her the details, whatever she painted it beautifully. It's two MH 47 golfs from the one sixtieth coming into land that we're getting shot at. There's an AC one thirty shooting down. Um, and it's just like, I think about that experience in my head. I'm like, I'm like, there's no way I could choose any other aircraft. Like, some of the most like memorable, intense, scary moments in my military career have been either running off the back of one or, you know, like coming into land on one uh, or almost crash landing in one. So it's just like, it, like a lot of stuff has happened in this aircraft. And like, 
now I get the opportunity to be in control of it. It's like such a unique experience. And like, it's just, I'm so blessed to be able to do that. Yeah. That's so cool. I, I really respect, uh, you know, your career as a whole, but going on to do that as well. That's super awesome. I'm sure it takes a lot of, um, I always thought about the pilots, how much awareness that takes, how much cognitive ability that takes to not only fly the aircraft, but to coordinate all the other things that you have to know, you know, communication, you know, uh, I guess being where you need to be and, you know, making all those things fit together. Cause it's not just flying an aircraft. So how do you manage all that? Yeah. So that's a great question. And, um, I want to take it back to like, when I was on the back of one, I had full confidence in the crew and the, and the pilots that they were under control at all times of what was going on. And I say that and I laugh because now being the guys up front, we are totally uh, taking it one step at a time and coming in and problem solving one step at a time. Uh, this, you know, there, there's a million things going on with this aircraft at all times. And so um, being able to keep to control every aspect of, of the flight is just, uh, it can become a little overwhelming at times. And so you really have to ensure that you are just managing what you can. Biggest thing is being like safety of flight, being able to look outside and notice what's going on and interpolate what's going on outside to what your instrumentation is saying um, and, and ensuring you're getting the passengers of the cargo to its location safely. So yeah, it is, it can become very, uh, mentally draining and just, uh, cognitively, um, tiring because you are looking at the instruments and you are looking outside and just, it can get overwhelming at times. I, I, bet. I couldn't even imagine, you know, cause I, like our old job and, and I would, I didn't even get into the JTEC level like you did, but even managing all those things as JFO was a lot of, uh, a lot of multitasking. I could, I always thought about the pilots, how much more things they had to worry about, you know, always respected the pilots because we're talking to them. Not only are they taking in our information, but they're zipping around, flying around and all those things. So, you know, I always thought about, you know, the, those pilots, and the, the, the transport pilots, and then the Chinooks, like when we're doing fast roping, stuff like that, like, you know, I, I'm sure you got to be at a certain elevation, keep things steady while guys are doing those kind of things. There's a lot of components to, you know, being a being a pilot, making things yeah. happen. And, and you know, the 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 one cool thing about this job is like, you can, I mean, you, I guess you can get worse, but but there's you can always get better. Like like there's not a day where you can't improve yourself as an aviator, um, or you know, do something to learn something new or to practice. We have a simulator that we can go practice uh, maneuvers in. And so a lot of these maneuvers, we, uh, we train and we train them to a, to a very high standard. Like they're, they're legit, like tasks, condition standards of like maneuvers. So it's like doing a pinnacle landing has a, has a standard doing, doing a, uh, landing on a slope has a, has a written standard, like, you know, no, like no drift as soon as a wheel touch, like, uh, things like that. You know, no more or less gain um, with a like when you're how do I explain it? Like uh, the velocity of which you are ascending or descending when you're coming down, like that has a standard. Um, 
it's just so so like things like that like it's just it's very regimented and so like when we go out and train to these standards we have to ensure that we are within the standard or we're not doing that task in real life um we have to go back to the simulator and trainer or go back to the tabletop and talk talk through it um so yeah it's uh like the military ensures that we are um capable of doing these these maneuvers because it does like at some point we're gonna have people in the back and we have to land in really crappy spots and we have to make sure that we do it really well yeah wow so many more layers than just thinking about just you you know you got all those people to think about too and also you said uh uh, you were saying about uh zipping around and so you know we are talking to a lot of people when we fly but but the one thing that i never take for granted is that before when i used to run around and have to spit out nine lines or shoot and communicate i'm just sitting down so i can't like i can't really complain as much i'm not out of breath i'm not you know i'm not like maybe sometimes getting shot at, but not not as much. Um, like it's just I can take a lot more of a tactical pause and really process the the de- the data. And I also have a cr- other crew members to rely on. You know, it's not just me doing everything. It's you know the other pilot. We have crew members in the back who are able to do things in the aircraft as well. Granted, they can't actually put their hands on the controls, but if I'm talking, if I'm writing stuff down. You know, the other guy in the other seat is going to be flying the aircraft while I'm managing uh, everything else going around me. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, and, and you got a feel for both sides. So you did the ground side. So and me and Jay were telling you this, too, because, you know, there's some guys who go straight to the, the pilot right now. But you understand what it's like to be a ground guy, too, on a, on a very high level. So, you know, that's you got you got knowledge of both worlds now which is great i think yeah it definitely helps especially like planning air assaults and uh and working with a customer you definitely know what the customer is looking for like what products or information you need to be successful that it helps in that sense and then man talking on the radio you wouldn't you'd be surprised how many it's just imagine being a brand new jfo uh we're a brand new fo coming to regiment remember how you just like threw up on the mic all the time yeah. Uh, imagine that, and you're flying an aircraft. Like that—that's what you are when you like join, like when you become a pilot right off the bat. But for me, like talking on the radio was really easy because I—I I was doing it for seven years. Uh, so speaking intelligently and not throwing up on myself—that—that—that uh, that, that made uh, my time at flight school definitely a lot easier. <laughs> I didn't have yeah. to practice as much. Yeah. <laughs> let's address the elephant in the room. Yeah, let's do it. Which is Jay. Listen, you know, I do my best to control everything. Um, oh, yeah. Comcast, Comcast, Comcast is outside of my control. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Someone's. Am I the host now? Hey, Dan, I think you got to turn down your mic. Because I think that's excellent. Yeah. That's what you get for trying to call me out. <laughs> now you're messing stuff up. Is it, is it still doing that on the mic? mic? Here, I no, it's good now. Okay. Yeah. You're going to see our full ability to adapt. Do it live. <laughs> All right, we're ready to roll. So uh, I think what I want to do from here, we got some questions that rolled in, so we're going to go ahead and look through these. Hey, guys. You so said Ray letting us know, hey, guys, I've recently scored good enough to earn an option 40 contract. How should I progress and balance running and rucking? So, okay. 
I also want to talk to you about your fitness venture. So you're an ultra marathon runner. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I, uh, I recently, within the last year, I really picked up running a lot. Um, it's been, it's definitely been quite the adventure for me after, uh, meeting a ton of very capable people. I was like, man, I need to get back in some good shape. The truth, the, the, the honest truth is that when you work in a job now that requires you to sit down at a desk, plan a mission, get up from your desk, sit down in an aircraft and fly your mission, there's a lot of sitting. And I just felt that my body was just getting like, I was feeling a lot worse. You know, I wasn't in terrible shape, but I like, I, I just wasn't active enough. Um, and so I really took it upon myself to get back in, in good shape and, and really like uh, try to try to test myself again. Like, you know, when we were in regiment, there was always like these resiliency exercises where we'd be out doing 24 hour movements or doing reaction to contact or you name it that there was always a, a time to really check ourselves in our fitness level in army aviation. You know, you have to do it to yourself really. Um, and so because of that, I just started to, um, look into these different avenues of ways I can just test my, my grit, test my resilience. And I found, uh, you know, I refound running and it's not only just like five miles, you know, I started doing, uh, you know, I did my first half marathon and I was like, Oh, that was like pretty easy. And I did my marathon and I was like, Oh, that was, that was kind of hard, but like, I could totally see myself doing another one. And then, uh, my friend talked me into doing a, a ultra marathon and I was like, all right, let's do it, man. And I, I signed up three weeks before it and I just like sent it. And, uh, and, you know, I've been running a bunch, but like, I think, um, a lot of it's just a mental, the mental perspective and the mental, um, the mental agility, the, 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 the callousing of the mind really, you know, we, we've done, we've all done like hard stuff being in special operations. So we kind of understand like the, the, the type of mindset you need to have going into these endurance um, events, you know, cause I was out, I did a backyard ultra marathon. So I, I was running for 12 hours straight. And so, um, you know, there, there's like a, a point where your body's going to wants to give up, but what is your mind and your spirit? What is it? What are, what are they going to do when, when your body starts to give up? And so that, that's really where I found a, a good calling to push myself is to be like, okay, well, how far can I push my mind and my spirit? Because I, I know my body, my body was wanting to give up at mile 30, 32. I think I was like, man, I'm pretty beat. Um, but like, I still had a big old smile on my face. I was still enjoying the day. And like, um, you got to learn to really like flip the mindset of, you know, don't listen to your body. Like you can go way further and way faster than you think. So yeah, got, got big into running. Been trying to do a triathlon, but work's been getting in the way. I had a deployment to Europe that, uh, did that, but my bike's right over here. I sit on the trainer for hours at a time. I go to the pool and I go swim. Um, and yeah, just try to like, just trying to find different ways to like test my mind, body and spirit. Yeah, let's go in on that. Let's talk about um, let's talk about your mindset. So, was was your mindset something that you feel like you you had going into the military, or did you kind of acquire it through over time, maybe through the experiences? Like, um, how did you develop your mindset? Yeah, so I asked you a question, Dan. Um, I think I think uh, primarily it was something that I. I, uh, adapt or I trained over time. 
like there, I don't think there's many people who just like come out of the womb, just like hard as nails. Right. right. Like it's just, it takes a lot of just like getting drugged through the dirt to like build up the calluses. And so you have to like, your body's going to adapt to the hard things you put it through. Um, because it's just like building muscles. You, you wear out that muscle. So that new muscle rebuilds and builds stronger so that you're able to do it. So it's the same thing with the mind. I put myself through hard things. I'm going to continue to be put myself through harder things. Um, and it's just, it's just a, a molding of the mind. It's a renewal of the mind. Um, and I think the hardest part for people is to turn off like the pain receptors, if you will, of the mind to be like, okay, this freaking sucks, but like, I can still keep going. Like it's not, I'm not going to die. Um, and so I think that's a, that, I love the question because it, it totally, for me, it's, it's something I've built over time. Like I, I, I said earlier in the podcast, like I, I joined with no knowledge of Ranger Regiment, no knowledge of special operations. I wasn't, I wasn't an athlete. Like I wasn't anything special. I was just a dude who wanted more out of life and was like, okay, well, if I know I want more out of life. It's going to require more out of me. Um, so I remember, I remember I called my dad prior to uh coal range and i was like i called him on the phone at the px and i was like i don't know if this is for me dad like <laughs> and I, he was like you're not gonna quit and i was like all right i'm not gonna quit <laughs> like so i mean like i like i had the thought i was like dude i mean had i quit man i wouldn't be on this podcast right <laughs> like um so it's just like man it's definitely a molding of the mind for sure yeah that's beautiful you said that it's kind of like uh the mind and the body you, I always say stress equals adaptation. So you put yourself through constructive stress, whether it be training or with the same thing with the mind, doing things that are hard, that push you outside of your comfort zone. I, I really believe people are very adaptable. And, you know, a, a lot of people, I feel like they kind of talk themselves down like, ah, I couldn't do that. You know, you'd be surprised uh, what you're capable of at, at an individual level, you know, um, I would say a lot of the guys that, you know, we, we met in special operations, they, they came from humble beginnings. It wasn't like they were, again, like you said, they weren't born some studs. Like, yeah, there was some studs coming in and they had a lot of skills and things, but most people, they, they put themselves through a process and through that they grew into, you know, kind of like what everybody pictures, but it wasn't, they don't just start like that. You know, it's a, it's a growing process. There's a lot of hurdles there. Like you said, you called your dad and had doubts. You know, there's times I definitely had doubts and questioned myself and, you know, was hard on myself. But I think if you keep pushing through, you you grow into the you that you want to be. It's always super fascinating to me. Um, so my partner, she does marathons, triathlons, the whole thing, and like ultra marathons. And like I at one point was doing like I was doing like the beast and the ultra beast, like Spartan races, like 15, 20 plus miles running. I've never, ever, ever, ever found enjoyment from running. Like even when I ran like half marathons and it was, wasn't hard. I was like, I just like, for some reason, I, I, there's people that just like, they're like, Oh my God, I'm just so glad I finished that race. And for some reason, I just don't get that same sense of like, I don't even know. I just look when I finish a race, even if I'm like, Oh, that was cool, I guess. But like 
this is not wired into me to like really, really like enjoy that feeling of running, even when I'm training for it and doing it a lot and doing good at it. It's just for some reason, I just, I, I just hate it. I hate it's it. Cause so you're much. getting like drugs. You get drug into it. That's what it is. No, I mean, cause even when I was doing, uh, I do them on my own. I, I set them up. I pay for the races. I go to the races and stuff. For some reason, I just like, don't love those triathlons and stuff though with the swimming and the biking and stuff i do like find that a lot more enjoyable but just the running alone oh man it just gets me i, just... I think like i think i might have like so so what i found was like i almost fell in love with the journey to get to that race than than the actual race itself like mm, i, I like love that. to see that i love to see the progression of where I started from and where I got to, to be able to be capable of racing this race. Um, so like that was kind of a mindset switch for me as well. Cause it's like, I never was like, I never had ran like more than five miles. So I guess a couple times, but like nothing, like nothing too crazy. Like I think I did like, you know, around perimeter leap a couple times, um, like while I was in Savannah, but, uh, not, no big races, but then, when I started to like train my body, just like you train your, you know, your, your muscles or like, you know, if you're trying to do a deadlift, right. Like, and you go to a competition and you're like, the competition is just the validation of like the hard work you put in. Yes. That's I like that a lot. Yeah. I like but that a lot. I'm not trying to convince you to be a, to be a runner. It's not for everybody. And then like, <laughs> I, it's totally, yeah, fun. I do you're want to say I hear him but... complain about cardio every time we do these streams. It's just, I like, I just, for some reason, I like, even when I'm like really working in, I just don't get that same sense of like accomplishment from it. Um, like when I did, you know, when I do Spartan races and stuff, like they're fun, but I just like, for some reason it just doesn't click for me and like in my head. Yeah. <clears throat> it's, not, like, it's not for everybody. And, and yeah. That's, that's, that's extremely like, I, I see it all the time. So, uh, it's not everybody's cup of tea. Yeah. For me, I like doing the competitions as uh, I like that you said that, like a validation type thing. And there's there's times where, you know, like, um, so my thing's mainly jujitsu, right? So um, when I'm prepping for those, there's a lot of work that goes into those competitions this week bef weeks before. It's not just those moments in there, because usually, you know, you have a match, it's five, 10 minutes. Um, uh, maybe you got multiple matches and things. And sometimes those are tough. Sometimes they're not that tough, depending on how good, how good your day's going, you know. Um, but really I think what kind of sells that victory more than anything was the process to get there. You know, you all those hours, training, conditioning, things like that. So that really resonates with me a lot. I like, I like that. It's kind of like the process and then that's the test and you pass the test and it validates all that work you put in before. And that's why I think competition in any form is a, is a beautiful thing. It kind of gives you like a goal, something to work towards. Um, I think ultra marathon is, uh, that's tough, man. That's awesome. You're like, yeah, you're that's like crazy. Targets, man. Dude, it's, it's fun. It's, it's a good time, man. It's just like, I don't know. It's hard to explain. Everybody who's on the podcast, go out and do one. You'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I'm a runner too. So Jay gives me a hard time every time because I like to run. I've always liked running. I was a distance runner. I used to run track in high school. Um, and now I, I've gotten into this, uh, this more psychotic state where I like hill sprints. Oh. Um, yeah, so I, do you do any sprinting? 
you like the hills or anything? Uh, no, I actually don't like hills. <laughs> I keep telling him if you if you started if you grew up in one seven five, you didn't see a hill. There was no hills. So no, like there was like that one like point zero five gradient. Just, like it was like the grade like, was like like one and a half miles up near the bridge. There was like that point zero five gradient where every like. <laughs> You started sucking like, oh, I'm so glad this is going to be a downhill on the way back, but it's like... A downhill. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I thought we'd get it. Yeah. There's there's something about running too, for me. It's like a, it's a meditative state. It's like you, you know, even the hard runs, like even, even when I'm doing like the, the hills or whatever, um, I, I especially like the distance runs though um for the for the meditation it's kind of like it's kind of like you're with yourself and um you're pushing yourself through this through this event through this run uh i used to do some races too nothing like an ultra marathon that's that's uh that's epic but um you know running those races it's kind of like a test against yourself in a lot of ways like yeah there's a there's a lot of other people but it's kind of like this this test in this meditative, um, meditative state, I guess, if that makes sense. It's like, um, um, yeah, there's a lot of like, there's there's like a, there's something to be said about like the solitude that comes is like running. Whereas like, well, there's nothing else to do, but think like, you're just like, right. Oh, uh, well, you know, so there's not many distractions when you run. So it's that, that's nice too. Yeah. I can only think so much. So what do you, what thoughts are carrying you through 12 hours of running though? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Um, dude. I, so, so like, honestly, and uh, we can, I'll, I'll start, this is a good segue into like what I do outside of the military. Um, but like, I'll tell you what, man, my faith and my, um, so, so I come at it with the, uh, for anybody who doesn't know, I'm a Christian um, I was, uh, I became a Christian and started following, uh, God back in like 2015, 16 timeframe. Um, and it really like transformed my life, uh, in, in a really good and positive way. And these tests of grit and everything like that have, I have a newfound understanding of like the, my purpose, right? Like like God has made me, God made, gave me these legs and these lungs. Well, why don't I use them to my full capacity? Like, why don't I really just put in work and, and, and use it as a form of worship or a form of like glorifying him to be like, God, you gave me these legs and I'm going to use them. You gave me these lungs. I'm going to use them. Uh, I'm not going to sit around and take them for granted because you gave me them for a reason. And so the idea that I'm doing it for a bigger purpose has always been something that has been extremely um, healthy for me to know that like, and that's just not even in running, but like all my other endeavors in life, it's like, there's a saying like the way you do one thing should be the way you do everything. And so I really hold that true in like a lot of aspects of my life. Well, if I give, if I give, you know, hundred percent in my physical fitness and I want to train my body a certain way, why, why don't I want to be the same way in my faith? Well, why don't I want to be the same way in my marriage? Well, and, and I forget it. We have, a, we have a certain amount of bandwidth, but that, that, then now you're talking about pr- just understanding your priorities. So I like to think of it, my priorities being faith, family, 
fitness friends or friends in fitness kind of like it just depends um but it's like how the how do i take my bandwidth and prioritize those and make my scheduling reflect those um in a positive manner um well i do that by making sure i first put my time and effort into my faith and my family um and then you know doing my fitness and my friends uh, intermittent, not intermittently, but like once I've checked these things off the block, I start doing these things, but I want to give those, my priorities, a lot of my attention and I want to do the best of my ability because like God has given me and blessed me with all these things. I just want to be able to like use them and glorify him through, through my endeavors with my physical fitness or my de- endeavors in my career or my endeavors in my friendships and my, uh, professional and like my personal friendships. So yeah, man, that's just like, um that was a perfect segue and that's what we talk about at cornerstone performance i have a podcast called the cornerstone performance podcast you can find it on apple and spotify a couple episodes on youtube as well um and i have like a you know multitude of guests who've just really found a good balance of their spiritual health their physical health and their mental health um and we talk about their story their upbringing what they do, a lot of these people are either endurance athletes, they're trainers, they're collegiate athletes. I had the uh, the female Marine Corps athlete of the year on. She was also uh, she was she was selected as the Marine Corps female athlete out of the whole Marine Corps, and she actually just got selected to be a part of the U.S. Women's Olympic bobsled team. And she is just a woman for out for God's heart. And we talk a ton about, you know, how her faith and, and, and walk with Christ has really shaped her and has allowed her to do the things that she does. So, um, Jay, I really appreciate the question because um, you asked, what do I think about what keeps me going? And to like simplify it, it's just, I don't think about myself. I don't think about, I'm not out here trying to like, bring credit to myself. I'm, I'm doing it for a higher purpose. I'm doing it for, for a higher calling. Um, and, and, and that's like to glorify God through everything I do. So. It's beautiful. And, it, and it's something that has attributed to a lot of your success. Like you're really doing great things and thanks. You know, yeah. And, and, you know, I, I think that's awesome that you're doing all these things like juggling all these things. And uh, so talk a little bit more about, cornerstone performance and like you talked about the podcast but yeah um so so like the the umbrella here is the cornerstone performance company um and underneath of it is just cornerstone performance which is like you it's just like kind of like my social media presence or like my physical fitness endeavors um and then that so that just you know i talk about my racing you know people can always reach out to ask me about um military uh military prep or career stuff um, and just like physical fitness advice, uh, or just following my physical fitness journey and the different races that I do. Uh, and then the other, the next, the, the other thing is cornerstone foundations, which I recently started about two months ago. It's been something that's been in the works and, and really is, it's a, it's a part of the Christian ministry that I, that I do. And it is a free online Google meetups call happens once a week. And we discuss, uh, I host it and anyone can join. They just have to RSVP and I email them the read along guide and everything. And we discuss just topics of life. Um, but we, I come at it from a spiritual perspective. Um, you know, for example, two weeks ago, we talked about community 
what it looks like to have community. What are the, what's the importance of community? What can we, what can we expect when we have a community? Um, and then, um, the next week we talked about this past week on Wednesday, we talked about, um, adversity. So what does it look like to experience adversity? What does it look like? What kind of attitude should we have in adversity? But again, from a spiritual perspective, from a, uh, I would say a Christian perspective. Um, and so we have anywhere between five to 10 people show up weekly. Uh, which is which is great, which is way more than I really anticipated off the bat. We had a really good uh, really good kickoff, and I I hope to see it um, get bigger over time, uh, and, and just kind of see where it goes. Because like I you know in all my other things, like this is just purely me one trying to sp- spread a good positive message and in, in a way to live life that's more holistic, more realistic, less um, just with less anxiety, less stress, like we, um, comparison is the thief of joy. So we like are on social media, seeing all these people and all these fit people. And, you know, even with me, with people who reach out to me, like, Oh, you're a ranger, you're a JTAC. Oh, you fly, man. It's not about me, dude. I'm just, I'm just a human. I put, I put my pants on one leg at a time, just like you, man. Like the thing is like, we're all capable of doing things. Um, and, and this is how I did it. And I'm not saying it's the only way, but it's a very healthy way. Um, and so that's kind of like what I like to promote is the holistic health of spiritual fitness, mental fitness, and physical fitness. And really, you know, uh, really getting a good grasp on all those three things to um, catapult you into life, into the uh, things you want to do. That's awesome. So, you know, I always talk about well-being as biopsychosocial, but another important component is spiritual. So I, I think that, you know, that's, that's a cool thing that you're doing. You know, you kind of bring people in for a community. You also bring in the spirituality and you also bring in the fitness component and, um, and with it, you know, the psychological component when they're yeah. there uh, in the community. So um, that's, that's awesome, man. I think it's a beautiful thing you're doing. Appreciate that. Yeah. Um, one thing I had, I forgot to, to mention, you know, I, ha- I have this, he's, I wouldn't say he's like my mentor, but, but he's a guy I look up to, um, social media presence. He was, uh, I actually got to speak with him at a marathon. We ran together and, uh, he was, uh, he was on the giants team when they won the super bowl. He was the punter. His name's Steve Weatherford. He puts himself through a lot of different physical endeavors to essentially do the same thing that I do. Um, And one thing he told me was, you know, we're only in these physical bodies temporarily, you know, on time on this earth. You know, when, when our, when our bodies are starting, when we get older, we start to, you know, deteriorate. Our mind and our spirit are the only things that are going to remain if we train them properly. Um, our physical bodies, just being a human, we're going to break down at some point, but we can train our minds and our spirits to really outlast all those. And that's, you know, that's going to definitely help make you live a longer prosperous life, having the ability to still be cognitively around you. If you can't be physically like able to do something, you know? Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I can definitely attest to the body breaking down part. I like <laughs> slipped the disc in my back oh, no. almost nothing the other day. So, <laughs> um, yeah, Jay's old. He's a, he's a, 
I'm, I'm still young. I'm a fresh hip 29 year old. I'm in my 20s. He's 30. Yeah, I hit 30. It was like I jumped off a cliff, dude. Like, <laughs> that's me. Yeah, I'm 29 too. So I feel like I'm, maybe I'll be here. Yeah, you guys will be here Yo, in about a hey, year. All right. Young so, boys dab. I had to, I like don't take a lot of painkillers or anything. And like, I don't, I've never had surgery, relatively healthy. And I like had to get on muscle relaxer and these painkillers. I slipped a disc in my back. I just like, it's, it's rough out here. It's yeah. rough. Yeah, I, I remember seeing a question here by Harrison Foy. I don't know if he's still listening in, but uh, it, it caught my attention because it talked about um, having more responsibility as an older enlisted member. Not because I was that, but because I, I had a couple dudes on my team who are older, and 100%, you're probably going to be relied on more as someone who's just mature. Um, oh, there he is. He's still here. Harrison, yeah. You're definitely going to probably be relied on more, not only by your peers, but your superiors as well. I think you bring a, you'll bring a, a level of maturity that you, you're, by, by the nature of the game, you are going to be expected to um, uphold a, a higher standard of um, discipline. Cause you're not an eight, you're not a young dude out of high school. Like you're not a child still. So um, having that experience in life, is definitely going to help you, but it's also going to make your, your, you know, time a little bit, I wouldn't say harder, but you're going to having more responsibility is a good thing. Like it's, it's healthy. It makes you become a better leader. Um, and that's the great thing about regiment is like, they give you responsibility to make you better and to like help you become a leader. Um, what you tend to see, you know, in the big army is like, People don't allow, people don't afford people the opportunity to, to have responsibility. Thus, they never become great leaders um, because a great leader has great responsibility. <laughs> I think Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Yeah. yeah, something like that, right? <laughs> Uncle Ben. Um, yeah, that's great. We, we've actually hit that before, that question. So it, I always tell them, like, so uh, from the Army perspective, you're still new. So, like, you still kind of get treated like you know one of the privates but like especially when it comes to like more like life focused things um and things like that they're going to rely on you for a lot more and you're going to be the private they ask when he, the nco is like hey make sure all of you guys but they like look at the older guy who's kind of <laughs> like been around the block he's like make sure you guys get your stuff together that's sort yeah. of you make sure they get their stuff together <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah yeah you get tagged a little bit for for stuff like that Absolutely. Pros and cons. Yeah, pros and cons to everything. You know, we get that question actually a lot uh, mm. about the you know older guys going in. You know, in a lot of ways, it's going to help you. The, the I, what I will say is probably going to be more of a hurdle is you know if you're like Jay, you know maybe your body's not uh, bouncing back just as quick. But they're not that old. Um, <laughs> but no, really, um, really, I think the hardest thing is going to be you know maybe dealing with younger guys talking to you a certain way or, you know, there's a little bit more of a hurdle, you know, whenever you're not in the age range of typically 18 to 25 when you're super moldable and roll with punches, whenever you got your life a little bit more, you're older, maybe things are a little bit more set in place and then you're going into an environment that's a little bit more dynamic and uh, sometimes unpredictable, um, adapting with that. So as long as you're adaptable and you kind of roll with the punches, I think you're going to be just fine. And in a lot of ways, you got more pros and cons.
21 year old Ranger E5s are not necessarily going to talk to you how you want to be talked to sometimes at, at 24, 25, 26, 27 years old. Then you've actually like lived a life. You got a degree, you've had a job. Um, I was a 21 year old uh, Ranger. E5. Oh so, yeah, yeah, I know. Um, I know. <laughs> But I, I will say I, I feel like I was a little better. But yeah, some some of my peers, yeah, they they you know, private was a private, yeah. So you do get some of those, but there there are a lot of more guys that understand like there's an age uh, maturity goes with the age as long as that is true in your case, you know, it, it'll help you. Yeah, sometimes you get you get some of the older guys who are almost less mature than the eighteen year old guys. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow they get there. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, Harrison says, young at heart, boys. Love it, dude. Um, all right, Nick. So we're, we're coming close to our time. So let's talk about, uh, any closing points that you want to leave people with. We're going to leave links to, uh, your stuff below and they can find you and, and join, um, those meetings, join your mission and, uh, and your ministry, things like that. But, uh, is there anything else you want to leave people with? Um, it's uh i put the spotlight on you dude yeah i do he does, yeah he you. does that sometimes sorry <laughs> i would say i would say um yeah so one you're like just by purely being you like you're very capable and you as in like the listeners of this podcast and dan and jay as well y'all are very <laughs> capable of doing anything that y'all want to do um there's a quote. I'm a I'm a man ambassador for a supplement company called Bear Performance Nutrition. It is a, a veteran-owned company here in Central Texas, uh, very um, well-known around here at least. But um, one of the things he says, like, if it matters to you, you'll make time for it. And um, I think that says a lot about what you want to do in life. If it's whether that be go run an ultra marathon or join the army or train to become a special operations, whatever. Uh, you're going to make time for it. Uh, and I found that to be true in all my endeavors in life is that uh, it may mean I got to wake up early or I got to have a late night. Um, and I still have those days despite what I've already accomplished. I'm still waking up early. I'm still going to bed late. Like if it matters to you, make time for it. And uh, don't be scared of trying new things. Um, don't be scared to... Uh, adapt to the unknown or go into the unknown because like stress, your body will adapt to it. Um, and you are very capable. So, yeah. That's awesome. Um, and, and there's so much more, these podcasts never feel like we have enough time to, to really go into all the things we want to go into. So you, if you guys want to check out more on, uh, on Nick and his, awesome career and awesome <clears throat> um again we'll leave his links below um i want to thank you again nick for coming on making the time we really appreciate it yeah thank you appreciate it yeah. appreciate y'all having me it's an honor yeah we would be uh we'd be thrilled to do it again you're welcome back on anytime and um appreciate that man. yeah jay you got anything uh yes i have off next week from school i will be getting to any of the backlogged uh questions and stuff i try to keep up with customer service email just get somebody has any issues but all the dms come in those questions i will hit all of those next week i'm gonna get fully caught up uh going into thanksgiving um hope you guys have a great weekend i'm not sure what our plan for the podcast is next weekend daniel for thanksgiving um but if we don't see you or don't do anything i hope you guys have a, a great week uh 
get to spend some time with your family, uh, get a little bit of relaxation. Yeah. We'll announce it. So going into this, um, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, so uh, again, I'll leave Nick's links below and be sure to check out trainlikearanger.com where we have workout programs, nutrition programs, merchant apparel, and as always much more on the agenda. Uh, you guys out there training, remember to train to your utmost potential like a ranger. Have a good week, guys. Thanks, guys. See you guys.